Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. Support for Talking Art comes from Quad City Bank and Trust, providing consumer and commercial banking as well as trust and asset management. For more information, visit QCBT.bank or stop by one of QCBT's five locations. This is Carolyn Martin, and we'll be talking art today about several exhibitions at the Muscatine Art Center and about the personal friendships between the artists, a creative circle of friends in and around Muscatine, Iowa, who regularly gathered to discuss their art. And here with me today is Corey Christensen, an artist whose exhibition of mixed media works, The History of the Future, is currently on view. Welcome, Corey. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And Melanie Alexander, director of the Muscatine Arts Center. Hello, Melanie. Hi, thanks for having me back. Of, of course, it's so good to have you here. And and Corey, let's let's begin with you. Your show opened in August and will be up through March 10th. While some of the works are experiments in texture and in color, others examine a particular historical moment or event. Can you talk about one of those? Yeah, I think um, you know, a lot of things kind of come from different readings that I do uh, uh, and or items that I come across. Uh, one, one piece in particular is called Tether, uh, and it relates to a, uh, a small piece of work that I got that uh, was done by the, it's called the Carlisle Indian School, and it was out in Pennsylvania. And I saw this, and, and it was incredibly well done. Um, uh, writing, handwriting, and it was a quote by Abraham Lincoln. And so I didn't really know much about it. And so I researched it uh, and was kind of uh, shocked, one, that I didn't know about it, and two, just kind of the history of it. And and basically, this was a school uh, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, where um, they were taking Native American, uh, usually teenagers, and trying to Americanize them essentially, and so uh, kind of stripping them of their culture and and kind of uh, uh, you know trying to teach them uh, how to you know interact with society, I guess. And so um, at the same time that I was kind of reading this, I was taking calligraphy lessons, and so the piece actually has my my calligraphy uh, practice uh, items kind of as the background of the collage. Uh, but then there's this turkey feather, which is a native uh, bird to the, to the United States here. And this feather is kind of uh, um, strung down to the canvas, basically. And 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 at the bottom, it says Carlisle. And, and, and it's just a, you know, just a reference to that. Uh, one for me learning, but also for people who are aware of that, just as a, you know, as a reminder of this, um, of this event in our history. So. Mm -hmm. So, so some of them have specific stories. Other others are different. There's there are five pieces I believe on a wall hanging together that are uh, that have very luminous surfaces. They're glistening. One is almost three dimensional. There's a, they have a very tactile tactile feel. And and uh, what were you thinking about when you created those, or what were you trying to express? Yeah, I mean they're very much uh, experimental. I would say you know trying to 
see how, you know, one, I can produce texture on a canvas, uh, but, but then also how I can use color uh, uh, to interact and to draw in the viewer. And so a lot of them kind of started with the texture uh, and then I built upon them with multiple layers of paint. And so um, a lot of times, uh, you know, my work will just stem from a new, um, a, a new uh, technique or, or something that I read about. And that's kind of how these started. So, mm -hmm. Well, I was struck by that, that your technique varies quite a bit walking from piece to piece. I love some of your collages too. Uh, there is one called Speed Freak another one the time is ripe and you have you've torn uh some sheet music strips of newspaper you've incorporated painted paper to create images that are that are just really inviting and and you can kind of get lost in them searching searching for the meaning yeah they they're incredibly fun to create as well um most of the ones there are created from 1970s Rolling Stone magazines, actually, uh, which are incredibly entertaining. Um, and, and so it, it was so fun to, to look through these magazines, read the articles, see what the issues were back then, and then incorporate that into the collage. There's also a lot of classified uh, stuff from classifieds, you know, when, when, when they used to be in magazines. And so a lot of those are entertaining. Uh, so the one is called Speed Freak. The, the words are actually just from, uh, from a uh, piece that I tore out that was on there. So it's actually in the collage. It says speed, speed freak. Same thing with the time is ripe. So there are great titles, but I, I guess I can't take, uh, take credit for coming up with them, but, um, but yeah, they're, they're fun to make. And, I, and, and exactly like you said, the goal is that you'll look at them and you'll be like, there's something more here and it'll kind of draw you in. And, uh, that's what I, I enjoy about, uh, enjoy making them and enjoy hearing people enjoy them. So, mm -hmm. well, you blend the past and the, in the future so well. So you're, t you know, the title, uh, is apt the history of the future, but these pieces that look like were all created over a three year time period from 2020 until, until this year. And they're on the second floor gallery of the Muscatine Art Center. It's this historic home. So you're also kind of somewhat walking back into the past to view them. Uh, so I, I, you know, I love that. And, and you have had a very circuitous career. You are an, an artist. You are currently obtaining a, an, a BFA, but you're, you've also trained and you worked until quite recently as an orthopedic surgeon in the Iowa city area. Can you talk a little bit about that very significant career change? <laughs> Well, yeah, um, I guess I've uh, always had an interest in uh, art, uh, you know, since I was a young kid. Uh, I took classes in photography and ceramics in high school. Uh, but then, you know, I kind of got on this path of, um, of medicine and, and it's, uh, you know, it kind of, um, you know, it envelops everything, you know, I mean, it, it basically, uh, for 10 years, I lived and breathed, uh, medicine and orthopedics and, and very little else. And so when I got done with, uh, my residency and started working, I had a little more time, uh, and started kind of dabbling in art again. And it, it kind of 
grew and grew and grew over time. Uh, and I also um, started a website where I would uh, interview artists and uh, and then write about them. And, and so I, I got to know a lot of different artists this way, uh, including John Fascinelli Kowalti. Uh, and, and that really kind of opened my eyes to this possibility of being an artist. Uh, when I grew up, I didn't have a lot of exposure to to artists. Uh, you know, I didn't know any artists who were professional artists. Um, and I had a sister who went to college and kind of studied art, but never really, you know, I never became an artist. And so it was just always this thing to me that was kind of something I enjoyed, but I never saw it as a career. And so um, as I was working, you know, I, I had this kind of creative impulse, but I had very little time. Uh, and so um, as that impulse grew, I was like, I need to do something to make this happen. And so um, kind of snowballed from there uh, until I decided I was going to make a career change and go back to school and um, start new. <laughs> well, you know, you, you've made this uh, really interesting distinction between medicine and art. And while there is an art to medicine, you've pointed out that that medicine was somewhat confining in that there is no room for error at all. Um, and, and this was a phrase you used, it's I think on your website, the unyielding responsibilities of your vocation. And in contrast to art where you're encouraged to experiment and sometimes failures result in, in good things because it can take you to a completely different direction. You know, what, what you think at first might be an artistic failure is actually, uh, you know, opening up um, your eyes and, and perhaps letting you embark on a whole new technique. So creativity, experimentation, fortuitous accidents are, are all, uh, you know, are all an important part of being an artist. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think some of the some of the best works that I've ever done started off in a failure, meaning, you know, I started a painting and I was like kind of to my wits end with it. And I kind of went a completely different direction. And then a lot of times they, they work out better. And again, I think it's that letting go of having this really clearly defined plan. You know, I think, um, you know, you're right. I mean, art is very much about experimentation and, um, and spontaneity and and again surgery is not <laughs> no it's not at all <laughs> you, you've also besides this exhibition that's up now you've had a solo exhibition three years ago at the hudson river gallery and that's now in coralville iowa people might remember it had been in iowa city above the mansion which was this old beautiful uh building that housed a interior design shop uh so so you've been creating really excellent work for a while now and and melanie i want to bring you into the conversation so uh several of the exhibitions that you have now that are currently up at the muscatine arts center are by uh, artists who are connected to each other and um and i should have said well um corey now is working in north liberty iowa uh, Corey's from Muscatine originally, and and opening up soon on September 21st is the exhibition Fazanelli Kowalti, the man filled with music. What can you tell us about the artist John Fazanelli Kowalti? Oh, so John was a longtime resident of um, Muscatine, and he was um, born in Iowa City, uh, and then had 
spent some time on his grandparents' dairy farm and attended college first in Wisconsin. He he was raised, um, you know, most of his childhood growing up in in the Hyde Park area of Chicago. Uh, he, you know, he he was just a an, a, an amazing guy. Uh, so he did uh, first study history. I think a John is a real renaissance man um he he could dive pretty deep on all sorts of topics and was just fascinating so he um he he spent a lot of time in his you know childhood in in chicago going to the museums there um he talks about you know just being sort of dropped off by his um, mom and and said, okay, here you just you just spend some time drawing in this gallery. And so he, I mean, just <laughs> think about the childhood he had. It was um, pretty fascinating. Um, so you know, he studied he studied history, and then eventually he ends up back at um, in Iowa at the University of Iowa, and he studied with some phenomenal uh, printmakers, uh, Mauricio Lazansky, uh, who at you know, hit that time he was Lazansky was um, really the best known printmaker in in the United States. So um, you know, John walks into this world with these um, you know just stellar printmakers um, and becomes really fascinated with this technology that was developed in the 1400s called intaglio printing. Uh, and he he also studied under Virginia Meyer, and um, so John went on to get his um, his BFA and, and MFA from the University of Iowa, and then he worked as Mauricio Lazansky's uh, assistant and and printer for uh, about fourteen years in the nineteen eighties and nineteen nineties. So you know he had this um, just amazing. Um, you know, immersion into the world of, of printmaking and working alongside this very just renowned um, printmaker. Uh, so, uh, you know, I mean, the conversations that we would have, uh, uh, John would, oh my goodness, go in so many different directions, you know, whether it was history or literature, opera, music, um, you know, and of course, art and, you know, the technology and uh, printing, bookmaking. I mean, you just never knew with John, like where your conversation was <laughs> going to go, but it was just fascinating. Well, uh, and he was such a musician. And, and I should say we are talking sadly in the past tense because he died yeah. several years ago, young from a degenerative neuromuscular condition similar to ALS. But uh, but he was also a musician, and so, yeah. and so this exhibition is mainly his music-themed prints. Is that correct? That's that's right. We're um, spotlighting the. Uh, it, it, I think everything in in the show is a is a print, and you know later on he was um, you know doing drawings. Of course, he had drawings earlier too, but um, this is really uh, spotlighting his prints that are music related. And John, um, you know, here in the Muscatine community was known for, you know, playing in the Muscatine Symphony Orchestra and the uh, 
Mad Creek Mudcats. And then he was also involved with a few other um, musical groups. So, you know, he had that, that love of music. Um, and, it, I, you know, over the years, the, the Art Center has worked, you know, had worked with John. Um, we did a retrospective of his work back in uh, 2013 that really, uh, you know, spanned his entire career. So even some of his very early work and a lot of what you would see there, I mean, he had some music related pieces. He would also, um, you know, cover people in, that were in his life, whether that was, you know, like his grandfather or his wife and daughters um, and, and just things that he loved being out in nature, you know, um, hiking, ice hockey, um, I am probably forgetting all sorts of things that <laughs> that he was involved with, but um, he he really took everything that was you know sort of important to him and and put that into his prints mm -hmm. and um, well, and it sounds like he also cultivated. I mean, he sounds like he did so much, and beyond that, he cultivated a group of artists in the Muscatine area who got together to make art that's right yeah. yeah what do you know about that um you know i i i wish i had a real history of how it started and who was involved but there were there were uh, quite a few um and i think they were all men who would get together and you know they would they would create things um together uh not necessarily as a collaborative work of art but they were you know and they would look at what what the various members of this sort of loosely formed group, what they were doing and sort of talk about it. Um, but, you know, like any conversation that in, involved John, it would, you know, go all over the place, this sort of meandering path of, um, yeah. And I think uh, Corey over the years has gotten to know quite a few of the people who were part of that. And so um, right now we have, um, well, once John's, John Fascinelli Kowalty's exhibition is up and the Mauricio Lazansky exhibition is up, which um, those open on September 21st, um, but you'll be, uh, you'll also be able to see Corey Christensen's um, work. And then a fourth person is John Deason and John, was part of that men who make art <laughs> group. Um, and there were several other members here in the um, Muscatine area. And, you know, I think they just sort of, you know, pushed each other to continue to experiment. And um, it, the, the way that I don't, these, you know, this kind of group of relationships grew out of it and the connections you know these days if any one of these guys comes in and i mean they're all coming in to see Corey's show and then john Deason's show um and there's you know such such fondness for one another and for um you know respect for one another's um work um so it, it was really uh, i think a, a a special a special thing in this community that that you know all these men were able to come together and um you know just su support each other as 
creative makers. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and that's just so unusual, you know, to have that situation. John Deason, like you mentioned, the photographer, his work is up on the second floor adjacent to Corey's exhibition. And I noticed John Deason credited a man named Grant Grant Jensen as mm-hmm. someone growing up who would change his life. So one has influenced the other, and it just kind of endlessly cycles. And, and Corey, it sounds like you were perhaps the youngest member of this group. And and it sounds like your relationship with John Fazzanelli Kowalti began, began as a kind of almost a mentor and student, but it grew into something so much deeper than that. And and was very transformational. So how can you tell us the story about how you met? Yeah, so I uh, have a family friend who was part of that group. His name is Dan Rohde. And, uh, and so as I was kind of branching out and, and starting this website, I spoke with Dan and he said, well, I've got the perfect guy that you need to meet, John Fascinelli Kowalti. <laughs> and, uh, and so that that's what started it and so i went over and i met john and and again i was just immediately just so uh just amazed by him just what you know he his stories his uh knowledge of history uh and and his work i mean just the breadth of his work the amount of his work and and the fact that you know he he just uh keeps going you know and and you know he is just the most he was, excuse me, was the most uh, just energetic and happiest person. You know, whenever you met him, he's just in such a good mood. And, uh, and that really rubbed off on me as well. And, and so I met John and uh, we kind of talked about doing this article. Uh, and so I uh, interviewed him and took some pictures of his work. Uh, and then he mentioned that he had some other works that he would like photographed. And so I actually ended up photographing more of his work. Uh, and in exchange, I kind of got some lessons in intaglio. And so it was, I, I got to work with the master and he, he really showed me, um, you know, everything from the basics uh, that he learned from Virginia Myers, which, you know, how to hold the Buren, how to uh, how to sharpen the tools so you don't injure yourself. Uh, but then he gave me this big sheet of copper. I had no idea how much copper cost at the time, but he gives, gives me this giant sheet and he's just like, see what you can do with this. And it was probably a 50 or $60 sheet of copper. Uh, and he just gives it to me and, and I took it home and I, I didn't have any of the tools. So I'm just scraping it with nails <laughs> and whatever and, and making this design. And, and I actually, uh, hammered on it. I'm like, Oh, I'll just hammer on it. This will be cool. And so I ended up making a foot, which if you look at John's work, he has a lot of foot motifs because he, he was no, no longer walking and he loved to hike. And so, um, that was kind of his way of, of dealing with that. And so I made this big foot and, and I remember I took the plate down and John just looks at it and he's like, you, you killed the plate. <laughs> and I'm like, what did I do? And he's like, no, he's like, this is perfect. He's like, this is so perfect. He's, he's like, you're going to love it. And so he showed me how to ink it up and how to print it. And we went out to his press and we printed it. And it was really a transformative experience for me. Um, and then um, I would visit with him usually every couple of weeks or so. And sometimes we'd ha- do a lesson. Sometimes we'd just we just talk and uh, it was just a, it was a great relationship. Oh, it sounded like it. And I, you know, I thought this was so 
so interesting that here you were working as an orthopedic surgeon and you would go visit him every couple of weeks because you actually had a medical clinic in Muscatine every two weeks. So that would be the reason for you to go back to Muscatine, where you were from, and then to spend time with him. And his printing press was in a, in a, in a small building behind his house. Yeah, in like an 1800s carriage house uh, in the back of his house. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an interesting part of the story that you were in exchange. Like he was teaching you this ancient method of intaglio printmaking. And in turn, you were photographing his prints and in essence helping him to catalog them because he had so much work in his, in his home. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, sadly, he was confined to a wheelchair, so it would have been hard for him to continue that printmaking. But he continued, you know, drawing um, and creating work in other ways um, for, for so much longer. And, and now that John's gone, you actually have his printing press. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it, it was something we talked about um, before he passed away uh, and you know, talked about just, um, you know, trying to continue, uh, the work that he was doing, you know, he was very, um, very interested in seeing intaglio printmaking, um, uh, continued because it is really an ancient art, uh, and it is, it is not, uh, necessarily taught uh, in printmaking classes because there's a lot of newer techniques that uh, are much less, let's just say less labor intensive. It is a very difficult process. I mean, if you, if you look at John's work and if you understand, you know, what it takes to make a mark in a copper plate, and then you look at the marks that John made, it is, it is an entirely different understanding of his work and you're, and you're kind of blown away by it mm -hmm. because, you know, the scale and the number of prints that he made and just the complexity of the images, they're all cut with a burin, cut with a little plow of metal through, through that copper over and over and over again. And if he makes a mistake, he takes a scraper and scrapes away the line over and over and over again. And it's just a, uh, it's an amazing process. And for me, I, I learned how to do it. I'm trying to find the time to do it. So that's, you know, kind of where I'm at. I'm getting into this where hopefully I'll have the time to continue that tradition. I have the press. I've used the press. I know how to do it. I even taught a class on intaglio at Public Space One uh, with the knowledge that John had given me. So. Right. And that's, and I think John would have so loved that. Um, the class you taught, you called it a mentor's gift. And can you describe briefly what you did there and how you got the public involved? Yeah. And so, so basically it was kind of, um, it, it, well, yeah, it was, it was a reflection of what John had given to me. And so he gave me this experience that I had never had. And so, uh, and, and I think printmaking is very intimidating because you have these sharp tools and you have these copper plates and you have these presses that, you know, can crush you, you know, they're, they're so heavy. They, that press I, I have weighs a ton. And so literally a ton. And so it's intimidating. So I wanted to take away that intimidation. And so I put copper plates all along the floor of this gallery and then had prompts that would were easy, you know, like put on this pair of shoes with scrapers on the bottom and walk on a plate or drop a rock on the plate. And I just wanted people to see what sort of marks 
could or, or what sort of uh, images these marks could make. And then we had two printing days where we took those plates and printed them and the people inked them and ran them through the press and got to see how, I guess, how easy it is, but also how beautiful it can be uh, and, and simple, how, you know, just a simple line can be extremely expressive. And so that, you know, that was always John's thing. He, he was, he worked with lines. That, that was his, his uh, uh, way of expressing himself. Mm -hmm. so. Well, and I'm so thankful that he shared his passion with you and that you were able to share it with others. And, you know, you never know the impact that you may have had on people attending that, that public event. So, Melanie, the last time I saw a collection of John's work was in 2019. And at that point, he had a show called Atlas that was a solo exhibition up at the Muscatine Art Center, and and um, and and the and the exhibition now is quite different. How would you describe the difference between the 2019 show and what's opening September 21st? Right now, of course, in 2019, John was an active part of selecting the pieces and giving us guidance on, you know, what was um, to be included. And that show did include um, prints that John had made. But we also really spotlighted sort of the pivot he made, um, you know, as his degenerative disease kind of, um, you know, took a stronger hold. Um, the printmaking process is so physical. And, um, you know, he, he had to sort of grapple with how to, you know, continue producing because he, I think, had thoughts and ideas that he wanted to get out on paper and you know yet his body had these physical limitations um so it was you know it really inspiring to see how he made that pivot and he was he was such a you know an optimist um and so positive even when he was in the in the midst of really you know these physical struggles. Um, so he took that, those giant sheets of um, paper that, uh, you know, he had had for, I think they had belonged to Mauricio Lozansky, um, and, and you know, just got out the, the crayons and the markers and color pencils and paint. And, you know, he was doing these um, drawings that would look in a lot of ways like topographical maps. And, um, you know, experimenting with line and repeating patterns and, you know, how he would apply color. Uh, for a while, he also took, um, you know, prints that he had made and had cut them into strips and would weave them together. So there was a lot of sort of thinking about, you know, coming apart and then sort of putting things back together mm -hmm. that was really fascinating. And, um, you know, the art center, we, we worked with John to sort of pick, uh, pieces that he had made in the, in those, um, you know, that period between 2013 and 2019, uh, and, and highlighting just how active he was. I mean, he stayed productive for, pretty much basically up to the very end. Um, and it was, it was just 
awe-inspiring. Um, so, you know, and John was, of course, there at the reception and, um, you know, he, the title of the show was called Atlas and it was really a tribute to his, his wife who, you know, she was managing so much and taking care of him and, and, um, you know, supporting him all through, all, all throughout. Um, so th that was a, a, a really, really special show. And it was fantastic to have all these people who had, you know, the John had touched in some way in the same room. And, um, you know, how, how happy everybody was. And, you know, John, even, you know, over the winter, um, he would, he, he had his, his wheelchair and he would, he would make the trek in his wheelchair and come into the galleries. Cause he just, he wanted to be with the staff and he wanted to meet up with people. And, um, it, it was really, it was really, I think about it as being a, a very happy, positive type of experience, um, you know, and with this exhibition, we, we did have a smaller show shortly after um, John had, had passed away and we, we um, you know, included his works in the, in the galleries up in the historic house. And it had always had the intention of coming back and doing a larger show of, of his work. And so it's been a process to work with um, his wife, Diane, um, to identify. And actually, I mean, we started with, you know, what could this be? Because it could be anything. Um, so getting it narrowed down to these, um, you know, the theme of music uh, when, you know, there were so many choices. I mean, my goodness, the guy was just prolific. So, um, it, 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 and it's, and it's been an honor, um, to, to work with Diane on this exhibition. Um, and, and I know she's been in touch with multiple, um, uh, people in her circle, uh, about letting us borrow some of those prints to have on view for the exhibition. Um, and, you know, we're, we're looking forward to the reception, uh, you know, later in September and seeing, you know, a lot of John circle come back and, and of course this, you know, the, the, the whole group of men who were <laughs> making art here in Muscatine. And, uh, there's just so many, uh, people who knew John mm -hmm. from all different, uh, you know, sort of situations. He was also an instructor here at um, Muscatine Community College. And, uh, you know, people would see him perform with the symphony orchestra or the Mudcats. So, you know, it's, it's, I think it's just going to be a great time. I think and so. Even, I think so too. And the Mudcats, the group that he performed with will be at the reception, which you know, which really brings it full circle. And I hope John Deason will be able to tend to the photographer, his work. I really enjoyed. It's beautiful. And he has his own unique way of, of seeing the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so John Deason, um, his work is up through October 29th. So he, he's another who has, a large circle of acquaintances in the Muscatine area, but it's very much worth checking out his photography. Um, and, and I'm sure, um, John Deason will, will also be at, um, at the reception. And I don't know, Corey, I, I, I don't think I've point blank asked you before, but will you be at the, uh, reception? <laughs> 
plan, yeah, planning on it. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm planning on it too because I want to meet all these people. And, um, you know, Muscatine has really been so fortunate and uniquely situated to have so many talented artists. Corey Christensen and Melanie Alexander, I so enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you very much. It's yeah, been a so pleasure. <laughs> The History of the Future, a collection of mixed media works by artist Corey Christensen, are on display through March 10th at the Muscatine Arts Center. And opening on September 21st is the exhibition entitled John Fasanelli Cobalti, The Man Filled with Music. Corey and John were friends and mentors, part of a larger circle of, of interconnected artists in the Muscatine area, which included the photographer John Deason and others. The opening reception for Fazanelti Kowalti's show will be Sunday, September 24th from 1.30 to 4.30 p.m. Live music will be performed, and it's free of charge. For more information, visit muscatineartcenter.org. This has been Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities for WVIK. Our theme music is provided by a Quad City legend, the late Ellis Cal. 